Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome live on stage the KLF. You're listening to the Spiral Times with Brian. This is Outer Focus, the KLF, or Brutality, Religion, and a Dance Beat. One of my earliest memories is 
watching a Welsh wizard set up a mobile disco from out the back of his van that was emblazoned with his name, which was DJ Plastic Sam. He was a local character and vibe purveyor with a pointy beard, long scraggly black hair and a grey top hat. A fixture at every function that we had about town that required vibes. Uh, I remember the lighting rigs that he had, which somehow folded out like little sets of traffic lights onto the floor of our tiny little village school hall. I think it would have been about 93, so we were obviously way still too young to be scared of each other yet. It was just synchronised dances on a scratched-up parquet floor, a bit of agadu, some Rick Astley, of course. It was a, it was a time, um, very pumping. And then I had my first experience of this tune that entered my head on that day and has basically never left.
That pop megalith was, for the uninitiated, Justified and Ancient featuring Tammy Wynette, and it is by the KLF, a.k.a. the Justified Ancients of Moo Moo, a.k.a. the Time Lords, Jimmy Corti and Bill Drummond, plus an extended universe of characters, both real and imagined. The next couple of hours, I'm going to take you on a journey to the lost continent of Moo Moo, the island of Jura on the Hebrides, in the Hebrides, Stonehenge, the Benio, aka Transcentral, the squat in Stockwell where they ran their label and studio. Between about 87 and 92, the KLF pioneered DIY sampling, pretty much invented Stadium House, although that's an argument we can have another day. They brought occult magic to Top of the Pops, made a bunch of incredible videos, became the world's biggest selling singles band of the 80s, and then took some slightly darker steps towards self-destruction that, for those who know, certainly ensured their place in music history. A little bit of housekeeping, by the way, to set the scene. First, please put on the robe provided, lie on the floor and stay calm. I recommend listening on headphones and I'm doing this live against my better judgment. So if you want to hit my line or just beg me to stop, it's at the spiral times on Instagram where I will post the full track list. Enjoy.
something I learned watching the recent, um, and for my money, pretty incredible new um, Chris Adkins documentary called Who Killed the KLF, is the extent to which the band were a product of um, Scouse post-punk um, in and around a club called Eric's. Uh, Bill grew up in Scotland and then went to art school in Liverpool because of John Lennon. Um, and Jimmy Corti grew up in the Wirral and then went to Devon. Obviously, it pleases me endlessly to learn that they both spent formative time in off-kilter post-punk groups of the howling girl variety, aka the only kind that is. So I started there with Bill's first band, Big in Japan, and then his bandmate from that band, Jane Casey's next project, um, Pink Industry, her other punk group that you may have heard of, if you are of that ilk, is Pink Military. That's also essential. Um, then I played, uh, or before that, I played um, Jimmy's band Angels 1 to 5 from um, Appeal Session that they did, fronted by his then partner, KLF Luminary, and for my money, member. Um, she was the creative director of the label throughout his existence. Her name was Cressida, um, and she's in lots of the videos as well. The next song I'm going to play um, has definitely the most tenuous uh, link of uh, all the songs I'm going to play. Um, but I've shewn them in because they were a Liverpool duo. Um, they uh, divided opinion um, and they have a ridiculous KLF sounding name. Um, that name is uh, Now is the Time to Forget the Whimpering Child and Become the Warrior. So make of that what you will. Thank you. 
Bill Drummond produced the last two records you heard by Echo and the Bunnymen and Brilliant in his stint as an A&R man for Warner, where he managed both bands, as well as Teardrop Explodes. Jimmy had been drafted into Brilliant on guitar by Youth, aka Martin Glover, the ex-bassist of the goth rock band Killing Joke, who would go on to produce records for Bananarama and Marilyn Manson and many others in the 90s. Under Bill's guidance and spending a lot of Warner cash, they totally failed to have a hit. Although I like don't hate that last song, uh, but that is how Jim and Bill met. So Bill jacks it in, aged 33 and a third, deciding to make a weird Phil Oak style record as a final piss off to the music biz. Weirdly backed by members of the Aussie rock band The Triffids, who'd been hanging out in their scene and whose lap steel guitar you can hear sampled across tons of the subsequent KLF tunes. Leave me 
I promise I am about to play some KLF songs. Uh, a reminder that this is live, so forgive me for any technical hijinks. Add to Belinda, Robin, everyone else who is listening. I'm Bill Drum, and sometimes call myself King Boy D. And, uh, I'm Rockman, and that's what I'm going to be called today. And uh, we're the Justified Ancients of Moon. Last year, we realised the time had come in the history of pop music where anybody, well, we, we thought anybody, anybody could have a number one. You just reach out and grab it. So we thought we'd have one. So we changed the name to the Time Lords, got this car here, Ford, to uh, front the band, and went in and made a number one record. Today, we're going to go in and make a, a dance track. We've got a hit at the moment, and uh, we've got to have a follow-up, so that's what we're going to do. How to make a number one record. They would form the KLF, the most successful UK independent singles band of the 1980s. We want to make a dance record. I'm sort of a house dance record. We got anything there we want yeah. Yeah, there's a good um, kind of groove on this one. I'm sure we can, yeah. I mean, it's, everybody's using it, but it, it is good. That's the more reason for using it. Yeah. Gotta find a bass drum beat on this record here that we can sample, then clean up. <laughs> can you hear the bass drum? Boom, boom, boom. We can't use it, we can't use it from that bit because there's too many other instruments until we're gonna find a bit with just a bass drum, usually at the beginning of a song. The scientists over in Japan in the past few years have been coming up with all this kind of stuff. All the stuff we're using, like the 808, what's this, 808? This is a 909 drum machine. By the way, Rockman, where did you meet him? Come on, let's get the bastard. Are we nearly there yet? Do we have to? 
the justified ancients of Mumu, or Jams for short, first appeared on the scene late 86, early 87, causing a stir straight away with their irreverent, and some said illegal use, of other people's records. Those first records were quite crude, in fact, weren't they? I mean, musically speaking. Oh, yeah, they are very crude, yeah. All we had was, like, a really cheap sampler, like a Greengate sampler, and we just went in and banged it down. It was um, not very sophisticated at all. As fast as possible. Not enough of, you know, we were just sort of rolling around in the studio laughing, throwing things in. That'll do, this'll do, that'll do, like that, as fast as we can do it. And were you surprised when the whole thing sort of took off? Yes. <laughs> horrified, <laughs> horrified. There is this idea that the jams is actually all a giant scam and is a No, hype. there is that idea. I mean, that's because of the things we do, but we don't plan it like that. It's just the media seem to think that we're out to get them. But in fact, we're not, really. <laughs> After attracting attention with the first couple of singles and an album that had to be withdrawn due to copyright problems, the jams reincarnated as the Time Lords, starring Ford, their car, in the lead role. Sorry. Surprising everybody, they had a number one hit with that single, Doctor in the TARDIS. How did the Time Lords project first come up? Uh, we wanted to be number one, and uh, so we made a number one record. Now, actually, that isn't the case. That's what we're telling other programs. What we're telling Snub is, uh, and this is the truth, we're telling Snub, that we were going to make a dance record. That was, we just wanted to make a house record using the Doctor Who theme tune. And uh, Jimmy had been working on some rhythms for it. And he played it to me in the car while we were driving out of the studio. And I said, we can't put... That's a, a glitter beat. We can't have a glitter beat on a house record. That won't work at all. And uh, so we spent the first two days in the studio struggling. And it was totally depressing. And then on the uh, third day, we realised we'd got the number one single. Yeah, we just had to go with it in the end. We were trying to make, trying to make it into a kind of quite a hip kind of record but it just wasn't happening so we just thought right it's going to be poppy let's go for it and went the whole hog and actually use the sort of novelty aspect of it or the mac the novelty sort of... novelty <laughs> what <laughs> that's it we're not doing right. this for a <laughs> <laughs> we're going home what about the car how did the idea of that i mean that's just like such a piss take isn't it the police car uh, it's actually my car. It's a car I always drive around in. Yes, I know, but making the making the car like. Oh yeah, yeah. We were saying character. that the car was fronting the record. That's because me and Bill didn't want to front the record because we were too embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it sort of backfired on us a bit. The media hated the idea that that uh, we were saying a car could make a record. They just wouldn't go for it. So tell us about this next project that you've got going, the film project. The film, yeah. It's called, about it. okay. it's called The White Room. It's, um, it's a sort of road movie, I suppose you'd call it. Um, it's got music going all the way through, which we're going to perform live when we tour the film, when it's finished. And we just drive and we drive and we drive and we drive and we drive. And that's all that is, is that feeling of endless, endless driving until we get there.
That film was never finished, but the road movie soundtrack and the trio of music videos they made from the footage was called the Stadium House Trilogy. It's worth noting here the liberal and, I believe, loving plundering of black music involved in their biggest tunes and that the black British artists like Ricardo de Force, who rapped for Entrance and Adamski and Maxine Harvey's incredible vocal are front and centre in, for my money, all their best songs. Um, every Top of the Pops appearance, that's them. You know, they weren't, those weren't samples. They were original and iconic work. You might say, this is what the KLF is about.
Out to Craig, out to Millie.
to the Spiral Times on Refuge Worldwide with Bryony. The show is called Out of Focus, the KLF. Okay, let's do this.
two step two, let an MC come in effect with King Boy D. I wanna be, gonna be, old time sucker. You know the time, I never stutter. A beat, a dream, and yet see bright, yeah, past the mic. What time is love? What time is love? So, while they're chart-topping with these songs, Jimmy is also quietly inventing Ambient House as one half of the orb with Alex Patterson. They're both resident DJs at this time in the chill-out room at uh, Port Oakenfold's Night at Heaven. 
and they've built a studio in the basement of their squat where they made two of my most favourite albums to play when I can no longer see. <laughs> the songs I've been talking over so far all come from one of those which they made in one weekend. It's called Space and it has a song for each planet and two for Mars. The other is called Chill Out. It's a full-length masterpiece, literally crawling with uncleared samples. Um, one of the coolest things about it is that it's meant to be a concept record about driving through the US Gulf Coast, uh, Texas to New Orleans, but neither Jimmy, Alex, nor Bill had ever been to any of those places named in the songs. Very much feels like summoning a place through car radio, building it out of static in your head. Big tune-out reality type vibe. Then Jimmy and Alex fall out because the KLF mythos at this point is so strong that uh, Alex doesn't want to release their music on KLF Communications, the label. So they have their Barney and then both Space and Chill Out get released without his contributions and still manage for my money to be two of the most beautiful things you can put on a stereo. Um, another one of my favourite things about Chill Out is that the press release for it credits Sheep um, the sheep that are featured on the cover as the main vocalist, uh, noting, I quote, far from being lazy animals of easy virtue, as is their stereotype, they are spiritually highly evolved creatures, truly at one with their universe. It also advertises an upcoming live PA with the sheep in attendance. <laughs> now here's a chunk of that record because, hey, it is after all my show.
to give you a special phone number where you can call so that I can send you a special gift this week. Get your paper and pen ready. By now, these two are moving with the frantic energy of bank robbers who've accidentally pulled off the heist, um, uh, drowning in money, uh, dirty proceeds from hacking the bloated music business machine, kind of losing their minds. And in the climax of their mania for self-destruction, they invite the hardcore band Extreme Noise Terror to cover 3AM Eternal at the 92 Brit Awards, where they had been awarded joint best group with Simply Red Bill fired blanks from a machine gun into the audience and left a dead sheep at the steps of the after party after the original plan to cut off his own hand on stage and douse the front row in sheep's blood was thwarted. This one's Neptune from space.
that May, they deleted their entire back catalogue and then spent the next year trying to conceive of a way to win the power struggle between their souls and the money they'd made. Firstly, by goading the art world into a response with all kinds of stunts that didn't really wash. YBAs were not psyched. Of course, though, the band who had buried that brittle wood under Stonehenge is still there, apparently had a knack for symbolic acts, but their final one was to be another level altogether. On the 23rd of August 1994, Jimmy and Bill went back to the Hebrides and the island of Jura, where they had a few years prior led journalists in hooded robes through a ritual burning of a giant idol on the edge of a cliff. This time they were accompanied only by their roadie and sidekick Gimpo, the journalist Jim Reed, and several large suitcases. Jimmy came in and, and asked for a million pounds of their own money, which we could all see from the bank statements they had. Uh, simple request, you might think, uh, which I certainly did at the time, and it wasn't until I rung the bank uh, that I realised how difficult it was to get your hands on your own money. Um, I mean, their particular request was a little, little different to normal because they wanted brand new £50 notes and only brand new 50 pound notes 
We're just trying to maybe push things a bit further, push ourselves as far as we could go, do the best thing that we possibly could do at any given time, <clears throat> and just see how far we could possibly go, you know, with an idea. Because the K Foundation, one of our little things we had written out was that, you know, we, we were a foundation that would go further than any other foundation would dare to go, go the whole way, and then not come back again. what we did some days do or bits of it um, but I've never felt it was wrong I, I mean I know that I find it very hard to talk to a lot of people about it but I don't talk to a lot of people That it's just a load of rubbish and a complete waste of time. Once you st once that comes up, you have to sort of you know you have to kind of deal with it. <clears throat> and it's, you know most of the time it's not a big deal. I don't you don't think about it. But if you do start thinking about it, uh, you can get into this whole area where it's pretty you know it's pretty black. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, you know. Just that it's not, you know, there are there is another side to it, which is really heavy for me and Bill to deal with. Every day you wake up and you go, oh God, yeah, okay, I've just bought a million quid. Everybody, <clears throat> nobody thinks it's good. Everybody just thinks it's a complete waste of time, you know. 
everybody wants to know why you did it, and you can't tell them why you did it because you don't know why you did it. It's just, you know, it's just not good enough, really. is that blow
Walkman and me with a lighter load. We'll stop for lunch in some taco bar. Lee Marvin on the jukebox, wandering star. about that both house incident is it's so hard to write or talk about why it excites me without sounding like Banksy. <laughs> Give us a charity and people are starving were all extremely valid critiques at the time. Um, there's some pretty amazing footage of them going on various talk shows and touring uh, a video that they made of the, um, the burning around prisons and schools and building sites and banks. The choice that they made was seen as an obscenity at the time, and in many ways it was. Perhaps it offends you to even think about it. But maybe if you think about what unites both lovers and haters of capitalism is that the one thing you absolutely must not do is disregard the value of money. You know, if I was not so sweaty, I might have something smart to say about the master's tools or keeping an eye on when God and the devil are getting the same column inches but I am sweaty so you know whether you think they should have spent it on cocaine or orphanages there's no denying they torched a sacred cow or sheep and we're still thinking about it 28 years later
And then they disappeared. Well, sort of. There's a lot more to be said about Bill and Jimmy's art and writing post-Jura. The only music really that's they've made since that's really done it for me anyway is this uh, <laughs> mashup of uh, Que Sera Sera and uh, Happy Christmas War Is Over. Uh, they had it be sung by the literal Red Army Choir and it was released only in Palestine and Israel on the occasion of um, uh, Yitzhak Rabin and Yasser Arafat signing the Oslo Accords in 1995. If you want it, indeed. sentient cars, rap music, fire, funeral rites, soul music, ice cream vans, islands, Liverpool, conspiracy, Stonehenge, ritual, land, pyramids.
children are still dancing. The KLF may have brought us here, but the justified ancients of Mumo have delivered us. Thank you.